All right, we're actually making it happen. Everybody, welcome to the J podcast, uh, hosted by me, Johannes Maniga, aka Canadian Rebel, for those of you that remember. This is our very first episode, and this is all brought to you by the Field 68 Media Network. Uh, those guys are doing great things over there, so make sure that you follow us, you make sure that you subscribe, so we can keep the fun going. Our first guest on the inaugural podcast is from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, the pride of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Second in Crane history with 334 three points made, trailing Oli Kalkorer, 1155 career points in a Blue Jay uniform, NBC All Freshman Team, NBC All Bench Team twice, NBC Six Men of the Year, honorable mention Big East, Mr. Rogi Bob himself, Ethan Rogi, welcome to the pod, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. So, uh, we just watched the game, um, a tough game at Providence. You and I both know Providence is never a tough uh, or an yeah. easy place to uh, play at. We had our own uh, battles up there. So what was your impression of today's game just overall? Overall, it's always tough to get a road win at Providence, especially. Um, I thought the guy shot the ball very well. Um, obviously, Mitch made some really deep threes. I, I thought that one before we're, half was uh, we're, we're going to get into it. This is our comparison that I think a lot of people want to hear your uh, opinion about. So, no, keep going, keep going. No, but other than that, um, a road win, the road win, they close it out. Got a little ugly there down the end, some missed free throws. But um, other than that, always good to get a road win. Yeah, for sure. Especially on a night where, you know, you don't get the usual production from Christian Bishop, uh, mm -hmm. from Denzel Mahoney, but you got Mitch that really stepped up. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski is the engine that makes this whole car run. And then one of my favorite guys, uh, he reminds me a lot of myself, but except a lot more skilled, a lot bigger, <laughs> a lot stronger, a lot faster. Damon Jefferson, just Mr. Hustle doing everything yep. for those guys. So uh, the trio of them, uh, Jefferson, 18 points, Zagorowski, 20 points, Balak, 14 points, shooting the ball pretty well. Um, this Mitch is the guy that we need to talk about. He had four big ones in the first half. And then to end the first half, he launched one that we used to call Rocky range. I think he might have you on the range part of it. Uh, but no, this is a comparison that I see a lot because he stretches the floor out. The gravity that he has, uh, opens up stuff for everybody on the team. Marcus mm -hmm. has driving lanes. Damon has driving lanes. Denzel has driving lanes because of how far away teams have to go out and defend um mitch so that's something that you provided for us uh during your entire career as a blue jay but every once in a while you have those games where you feel like you're not getting the touches that you need uh how yeah. do you stay engaged because you know that teams are going way out they don't want you to touch the ball and like sometimes you're not really in a flow uh so how how did you stay engaged in games like that because it happened a lot in your career yeah and i was actually surprised to see providence um in that zone most of the game and i thought mitch and the other guy's eyes would have just kind of widen right away but as province did a good job of taking that away and what i always viewed it as is i kind of viewed it in my head as a passless assist if they're going to basically <laughs> deny me out to beyond nba range and they're going to be so close that someone else can basically instead of going through that mitch to swing the ball it can go directly through someone else and you watch when your teammates make a three hopefully you feel the same but it does um kind of make them pay the price for overstretching on just one guy when they got four other guys out there that can shoot it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, you guys play two different positions. Mitch plays oh, yeah. a lot more three. Sometimes they put him at the four, but uh, they like to spread the court out when he's playing the four. Um, 
so those are the two differences that I see in you guys' game. But aside mm -hmm. from that, like extreme range, extreme confidence, ultimate neon green light, given Coach Matt gave it to you, he gave it to Mitch. Um, so it, it's really nice to see. I guess you were 34, he was 24. <laughs> another difference. There he dribbles too. a little bit more than I like. He, he so. definitely does. He comes off ball screens. He, he's a lot more of a driver. <laughs> and uh, this is his senior year, and I bet. This is his senior year, and yep. our senior year, I think he only made two two-point field goals. So he's I just already got line on there. a couple, so that was maybe <laughs> my only reason. But um, Mitch is good at that. He gets his shot off in a lot of creative ways that maybe weren't mm -hmm. standard for me, but he has a lot faster guy guarding than I used to. For sure. And uh, for our senior year, we asked you to play four or five. Uh, you were a little bit undersized at the five spot, but you sacrificed that in order to help our team because we thought that was the best opportunity for us to win. Uh, it took a toll on your body as that season went on, obviously. Um, but kind of talk about pretty much playing your four your entire career as a Blue Jay and then seeing your coach Mac approaching you, telling you, look, this is the transition that we need to make if we really want to be successful. Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's kind of pretty straightforward once you look at it. Uh, there's a guy named Doug playing the four position along with me and just with 40 minutes in the game to play, um, Doug's not going to come out that often. So for us to be effective, I ended up playing that five position, put on a little weight. And I thought it did a little good job of, you know, when people knew I was down there alone, I think other people, you and Austin and Avery and Grant, would all kind of react in a way that, oh, we shouldn't just leave them down there alone. And thought we did a good job of team defense and not just expecting me to hold my own and block a bunch of shots, which wasn't coming. Uh, the one thing I liked about you playing the five, though, is one of the most underrated things in basketball, the box out. You really mastered that. And me and Austin, I remember coming through, stealing a whole bunch of your rebounds. But that's because you put your body on the big guy, made sure they didn't get it, and allowed the guards to come down there. So, I mean, kudos to you for, you know, being gritty enough to to battle really inside with those guys. So that that's awesome. Uh, it was an experience to play with you, brother. I honestly, I miss it. I think about it all the time. I'm like, damn, like those were the boys. Those are really good moments. Uh, when I graduated, I always said no regrets, but uh, I guess the only regret I have is that we can't go back in time and have one more run at it. Yeah, it was good while it will happen. And I'm sure you've seen playing overseas. Uh, it's, it's a little different than uh, playing, at, playing at Creighton and just with guys that you do a bunch of stuff with, you're always around and played four years together. So. I, it, it was awesome while it lasted, but uh, I like this Creighton team. I like still watching it, staying involved. But um, from a basketball standpoint, I, I still think we'd give them a run, Jahens. I don't know about yeah. oh, <laughs> what you think. Uh, I like, you know, like in the 2K matchups, you can go back and use a historic team and play against a current team. Like sometimes <laughs> I wish you could do that too, for sure. That'd be good. Uh, so let's get into your pro career. Uh, okay. A lot of people know that you college uh before this i call it quits i think it was back in 2016 2017 am i correct on that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you first start off your first gig is in spain in bilbao um from going from five years you know you retro sophomore year after your planner fresh out it's five years in omaha nebraska to flying overseas and your first experience being in bilbao spain talk to me about like that transition how it felt to be overseas to be you know away from family and friends and and really kind of being alone in a sense uh, for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it was a really big learning experience, I guess, overall from life to to basketball. Um, I, I ended up getting a pretty big knee surgery in May of 2014 after the season was over. Uh, Bilbao, um, 
reached out to my agent at that time and I came over in about August and I didn't play a game till late October. So I missed about our first three games, but um, it was really interesting. Played with a bunch of guys that were older. Um, it was, a, you know, they played in the NBA or played in other high level leagues and learned a lot from them just about the way, you know, you have a role in college, but over there you specifically have a role. And when you're in, you can't kind of, you know, pass up shots that maybe you thought would be good shots to get a great shot. It's you're, you're in there to execute at a higher level and just learning from them. And we ended up going, got fourth in the ACB that year, um, got into the playoffs and we had a really good cohesive team, but, um, mm -hmm. one of those things, Jens, you've probably seen over there, there, the expectations in European and top level basketballs, there's a, uh, there's definitely your Yankees and your Red Sox. And then there's sometimes your lower budget teams that you, you learn a lot about team basketball when you're playing against a team that probably has some pretty big names on it. For sure. I always find that no matter what country you go to, the first like two, three teams, <laughs> it's very difficult to get dubs against them. Uh, and then there's a whole group middle of the pack, like from four through nine, maybe uh, that anything is possible. Yeah. And the bottom tier, they, they just can't buy a win. <laughs> I always find that to be, to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Uh, so you go from you go from Spain. Yep. Uh, I think you played summer league the following year with the Lakers. Spain, Germany, summer league. Uh, right. That so I want to talk my... to you about Germany. Yeah, yeah. because this is <laughs> this is one that uh, you and I uh, kind of hold yep. near and dear to our heart. Uh, so if you guys don't know, Ethan played for the Gieson 46ers the year before I played for the Geese and 46ers. Mm -hmm. And the running joke that you and I had between us is that I still owe you 10% of that year's salary <laughs> <laughs> because you put in a good word for me. So transitioning from Spain to Germany, what were like the differences uh, between those two European countries, would you say? Just the countries in general, um, Germany is very fluent in English versus where mm -hmm. I was at in Spain. So just communicating with personnel, coaching, uh, the front office, the fans in Germany was a little bit easier than it was in Spain. Um, but, the, but the level of basketball is still very high in Germany. Um, I thought we did a good job of competing as well uh, with the teams that are in that league and the players that are, you know, I think there's seven or eight that were over there at my time that are now big contributors in the NBA. So just seeing that level of jump um, and being able to compete with the team that we had was, was really fun. And then you know, talking with that coach at that time about, you know, there's another guy from Creighton if, you know, what he was like, what he's, what he's kind of able to work at, what's his skill set, uh, when they were recruiting Jahens to come there from, I believe you in your Romania at that time, or? Uh, I believe, yeah, it was the year after Cyprus. So Romania yeah. first, Cyprus second. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm curious, Ethan, though. So what, what did you tell the coaches about me? <laughs> uh, that he's a, he's a great value. I mean, I don't know what the price tag was on you, but he, he get he does a little bit of everything. Uh, mm -hmm. and he's always has a good attitude. He's always been a part of winning teams and, you know, over there, there's a lot of like looking after your own, looking after your own stats. And that's not really a way that Jahan's played is one of the things that I remember communicating. And then he's a great shooter and he speaks multiple languages, huge value over there in Europe. So yeah, hopefully it landed. And I, I know you guys had a really good season that year. So yeah, we did. We, we fell one game short of making the playoffs. I think it was the highest uh, that that team had. Cause remember they were coming from the second league yeah, a couple the, of years before you got there. Um, I was the first year after. I oh, was, were you okay? Yeah, so we had a couple guys over from that team, but good team overall. 
So that actually brings us uh, to our first fan question of the night. Ooh. And it comes from one of our former teammates, Benny Lishek, your boy, okay. my boy, uh, a former Geeson 46er as well. <laughs> and his question to you is, Ethan, how much do you miss Geeson at Ulan? <laughs> <laughs> I miss Geeson quite dearly, Benny. Um, yeah. You know, from my neighbors that you guys helped me out with in their communication to going down to whatever that cafe was at the top floor and getting some coffees and whatever that hot wine was you guys made me drink. It was all, uh, and blue vine, baby. Yeah, blue vine. Christmas all, time. Yeah. yeah. All good stuff. And I, the team I had with Benny, especially, I don't know if you had all those guys, and it was great because they were part of that team that had won uh, the year before to get moved up and mm-hmm. really kind of welcomed me in as someone who had no business being there with that team. And they embraced me pretty quickly. And I know if, my memory serves me correctly. Benny's a diehard Giants fan, and I know he's just had a tough yeah, year. Yeah, he is. Yeah. My, my condolences out to him, and hopefully he can stick with it for one more year of American football. I mean, the Giants have a chance to play spoiler tomorrow against the Cowboys. I, I would hate I to see know. the Cowboys I in the playoffs. I mean, NFC East, anyways, like whatever. That whole division is awful. I guess <laughs> not being a football player, am I allowed to say that even? But man, I. I don't want to see any of those teams in the playoffs. That's something <laughs> exactly. that the NFL needs to figure out. High key. Exactly. Uh, but no, I agree with you, man. Gieson, Gieson's an awesome spot. Only 45 minutes away from Frankfurt. If you guys ever have a chance to visit Germany, once this whole crazy pandemic is done, I would highly encourage you to go visit Gießen. A nice little small town where the people are extremely friendly, extremely nice. And uh, they really have your back. It really kind of feels like home when you're over there. All right, Ethan, let's go to the genesis of it all. Uh, you're, a high sc- you're a high school kid in Eden Prairie, uh, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, tall, strong shooter from in, in the gym range, basically, as soon as you walk across <laughs> half court, people have to defend you. Uh, we know that you ended up at Crane, but what were some of the other schools that you were kind of thinking about going, uh, maybe that you might have visited, and uh, you decided at the end of the day that Crane was the right fit for you? Yeah. Um, at that time, obviously Creighton being in the Missouri Valley was getting a good handful of looks from those schools as well. Northern Iowa, Drake, um, and Creighton was kind of in between figuring out if they had scholarships available. If they did not, uh, heard really early on from coach Mack wasn't interested in a tall white shooter at Iowa state. So that was good to get out of the way. Um, but then actually I had a re- really unique, uh, recruiting story in the sense of I went and did one more tournament. We played against Marcus Cousins and he decided to let me shoot a bunch of open threes. And mm-hmm. I came back from there and Creighton was very interested after that and got some other Big Ten offers and ended up going to Creighton just because of my relationship with D-Rock and Coach Altman at the time. They were great. Um, and obviously knowing shooting basketball, I knew I wanted to shoot well in college as I did in high school. And Creighton definitely fit that mold of giving you the chance to shoot open shots. No, for sure. And I know there's also a story out there about uh, you technically not being allowed to shoot threes up until you were in high <laughs> school. True. Am I correct? That was Mama Ronnie that, that emphasized that, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, my mom is a good shooter. And, you know, I was always decent enough, but not in a, I was always tall enough not in a hurry to get out that three-point line. And um, but it kind of put that rule in so that you don't compromise form for fifth grade three-point field goal makes and uh, tell a lot of kids if they're still interested in making threes to hold off on compromising that f- distance in your form to make early three pointers in your AAU career, I would say. Right. It's always like, it's weird to be when I see some high school highlights and I see guys like 
pulling up from deep, but literally like <laughs> they, they have to twerk their entire body to get it like yeah. above the defender and to give it enough arc to even give it a chance. So like, chance. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Mamaragi had to wherewithal to make sure <laughs> that you <laughs> that you took it easy, that you weren't in a hurry to get out there. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Look at you now, second all time uh, in three pointers made in Blue Jay history. I mean, that, that's a dope story to kind of like that comes full circle like that, you know, patience is a, is very key in that kind of mm -hmm. development. And you were one of the great ones, brother. honestly, helps get some good passes. Now let's get back to, oh, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure in about like at least 30% of your threes, I was, I was on the passing end of it. I'll give Austin maybe 50%. I'll give Gibbs the other 30. He was too busy passing it to Doug anyways. Yeah. Easy uh, so you're at Crane. Uh, we had a great level of success. Uh, played a bunch of games, a bunch of good games, a bunch of tough games. Uh, lost our share of games that we thought we should have won, but definitely uh, won more games than we lost. What mm -hmm. was your favorite basketball memory in a Blue Jay uniform? I know I'm putting you on the spot, and Man. I know it's a tough question, but what was your favorite basketball memory, do you think? It's always a, it's kind of a question of, you know, you first think individual performance versus team success or team performance um you know obviously a lot of people probably associate anything i did in college with our game against villanova um to come out and make you know that number of threes that quickly in a game uh was obviously individually one of the better performances of my career um but i do always have a soft spot for we played at san diego state um i believe in like 2012 and i yeah, made the ugliest <laughs> baseline or road runner if you want to call that a runner guess who passed it to you and johansson passed it to me and uh <laughs> that was obviously a fun game because i think cohesively for a team go on a road tough environment i think we were sophomores at the time and trying to figure out if we were legit or you know still had some stuff to work on and that was a big win for us i thought but as a team win i don't think it's close uh the 2013 missouri valley conference championship uh where yeah. you actually hit a game winning layup so that was a fun game just last time Creighton in the MVC playing Wichita State for our second row MVC title was uh, a great game to be a part of. Yeah, and that's, uh, it's kind of wild to think about that because like at the time we didn't know it was going to be our last yep. Missouri Valley Conference game. Like we were just going in, like we, we disliked Wichita State. We had just beat them at home a week previously uh, to that on senior night. Um, and we just wanted to win a championship. We wanted to win another championship. Mm -hmm. And uh, on a day where, you know, Doug kind of starts off slowly, Gregory Echenique, uh didn't really get his, his feet under him until maybe like the second half. You come in off the bench and you give us a tremendous boost. I think you knocked down like three threes back to back to back, forced uh, Greg Marshall to call a timeout. And we just kind of found ourselves um, after that. So, coming off the bench and, and being such a big contributor, obviously something that you're used to, I already named your accolades about being all bench, which they needed to change that name. All <laughs> bench team, bad. I never, I got that my freshman year too. It's how uh, being an all bench team member, uh, being six men of the year, I think that was the year that you were six men of the year as well. Uh, so just talk about kind of like your emotions, kind of seeing the starters struggle. Uh, Coach Matt calls your number, you get up, you're about to check into the game. What's going through your mind uh, in a championship situation like that where you're able to give us such a big lift? Um, it was an interesting game. I'll, for some context that maybe be missed or people have really had to watch carefully, but uh, I played about a minute the game before. I actually broke my wrist in the Drake uh, 
the Drake game, our first round game, didn't play in the Indiana State game, taped up my left wrist pretty tight and thought I could just, you know, didn't have to use it too much if I was just going to shoot or try to figure it out. And uh, it really helped to see that first shot go in, obviously, in those scenarios. Um, I just, you know, I've always told people that played there, those are tough rooms to shoot in. Uh, they're really hard. And uh, to Scott get that first trade, one to yeah, go. Scott yeah. trade, it's like a, it's like a double rim at the park. Like, yeah, you can really... tell it's a hockey arena. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. It, it just helped to have that first one go in. And then like that year and the years before and after, uh, once I kind of got one, I thought everyone always did a good job of either drawing up a play or, you know, making that extra pass um, to me to make see if I could keep that rhythm kind of going. And once I got that first one going and we kind of got that lift going, I feel like the rest of the game kind of kind of came to us and we were able to out execute kind of that last 10 minutes of that game I thought was great by us. Yeah, for sure. Um, such a great memory for me as well. Um, oh, yeah. Like I said, we didn't we didn't know it was going to be the last time uh, playing in the Missouri Valley Conference, but I mean to go out like that um, to beat our arch rivals too. Yeah, it, it's a pretty good ending. And then that team goes on to go to the Final Four, and we can't make it out <laughs> of the first weekend. Uh, I actually uh, that's the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, Going back to this year's team, uh, you know, our, our teams never made it past the first weekend. That's one of the regrets that I have. I always thought that we had the talent, uh, the cohesiveness, uh, the team to really make it past the first tournament and maybe challenge for like a Sweet 16, Elite Eight uh, type of situation. But it's never been done in Korean history. Uh, do you believe that this team, this current team that we just saw, uh, that we just watched play tonight against Providence, that they have a shot to make it past the first weekend? Yeah, you really hope they do. I know last year was just a bad luck of the pandemic for them. Yeah. They were, that, that a, would have been the year. That yep, would have been the year. Had such a good, strong end of the season. Uh, obviously, co biggies champs, and then just the pandemic shut them down. And I really hope with this year, with everything going on, that they're at least able to play the games um, and you know maintain a high seed. And a lot of it comes down to, I felt like our first two years we were playing obviously in North Carolina's backyard. Duke's backyard is pretty much the whole country. So there we were up in Philly. And then even that last year playing Baylor in San Antonio, um, a little further drive from Omaha for a three seed. So hopefully, uh, yeah, for sure. you know, hopefully these guys get a good draw or whatever the NCAA tournament decides um, they get some good matchups. And obviously they have the talent and the skill set. They're a deep team experience team, which are all good characteristics to make a good run this year. For sure. I, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think, uh, obviously, last year's team, no doubt in my mind, if the tournament happened, that they were going to be able to find a way past mm -hmm. that first weekend for the first time in our history. I'm hoping that this team uh, has similar success as last year's team, if not more. Uh, there's a lot of hopes um, on this team because, I mean, mm -hmm. talking to Crane fans, like, Crane fans are eager to finally get that off of our record, uh, to say that we were a Sweet 16 team in such and such a year. Um, and and that's weird. Like I want to talk to you also about the transition from like playing for the Jays and then now becoming obviously a fan that still watches game, that still interacts with people who still talk Korean basketball. How weird has that been for you to, you know, you go from grinding every day, practicing, going through two a days, all that stuff, playing a full season to your senior year is done. And now you're looking back and you're watching and you're actually cheering on the guys that you had just played with. And uh, even like further down the line, the, the next couple of years, how has that experience been for you? It's pretty great, actually. Uh, you don't have the stress of, you know, two a days <laughs> making shots, missing shots, uh, just the pressure of class and the season I don't miss 
as much, but, you know, being out there on game day, seeing the final product is something that we'll always miss. Um, feel bad for the guys just with everything going on this year, not being able to play in front of the crowds in Omaha. It's something you get a limited number of games to, and it's unreplaceable. So just hopefully, um, you know, it gets past it with everything in the pandemic, but I love it. Uh, you know, sitting from afar watching them. I know coach Maxwell runs, I see half the same plays that we ran and now just different mm -hmm. versions of them with the kind of personnel that they have, but yeah. having that kind of secondhand knowledge, being familiar with the coaching staff and the experiences just makes it that much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of coach Mac too, like I always thought his X's and O's, like, I don't know if there's three coaches better in the nation at drawing up stuff from either out of bounds plays or like if you see something on film that he thinks he can exploit to come up with a quick set that will attack. Like, I don't know if you guys know Coach Mack loves to script. His first couple of plays, uh, he did it with us where he knows for the first three plays of the game, at least that we're going to get a really good look. Uh, we already talked about your transition from playing the mm -hmm. four to the five. Uh, talk a little bit about like the stuff that you and Coach Mack talked about, uh, how he was going to use you offensively, uh, because again, it was a different situation for us. We're pretty much playing five out. We went from having a traditional low post player with Gregory Echenique, who really demanded the ball, was great at that. Uh, we started the, that year off playing with Will Artino, and then you get kind of implemented into the starting lineup uh, during our West Coast trip when we played against Long Beach State. So. Talk to, mm -hmm. talk to me about like maybe kind of the X's and O's part of it that you and Coach Mack talked about because I'm always fascinated in thinking, you know, how how do coaches like come up with this stuff on the fly? Like that was kind of a big transition for us. Yeah, Coach Mack's great. Always has been at um, end out of bounds or side out of bounds plays. Um, just drawing up some what our strengths are versus what that team's weaknesses could be to expose early on and, and get the confidence going. Um, but overall, from an X and O standpoint. Uh, I was familiar enough with the system coming in from, I guess, my redshirt sophomore year was my coach Max first year to my senior year, um, you know, familiar enough with the system that I can be replaceable if it was at the four or five spot or me and Doug flipping or me and Doug being on the same side for a post entry pass to make sure that they had to make a decision if they're going to double or if they're going to let me shoot it. Um, but I thought early on, we just did a great job of uh, figuring out that, Doug and I could play off each other and, you know, play to the strengths and weakness. And I didn't need a shot. Um, didn't have to shoot the ball necessarily to affect the game in some scenarios if they were going to let Doug score 44 points, which I think is clear evidence of the second time we played Villanova. They yeah. tried to play him one-on-one -on -one and I only shot, I think two shots and Doug uh, definitely could get his buckets down there. So it, I would say overall, Jahan's just working through that offense. Like, you know, with Doug at the focal point and running back screens and flare screens and, I think it was called South Dakota, where we set a back screen and Doug sits around. Yeah, the little baseline. Yeah. That's <laughs> a Nick Baugh favorite for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, it was just easy enough for us to plug and play different players that had played multiple different spots in his offense. And at the end of the day, just we had to make some shots, keep that pressure on. And I hope that I think during our point of our career, he really changed that tempo that um, this team is really capitalizing on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you find like watching the games now? I, I mean, I thought that we really flew it up the floor, but I'm looking at these guys now. They're really flying after a make or a miss. They're pushing the ball. They got multiple ball handlers who, who can set up their offense and their spacing is so good. Do you find that like watching them is kind of like there's no way 
at this age, I could keep up with those guys. <laughs> they, they do look pretty quick getting them off the court. Um, <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, if they're going to shoot 60% from the free throw, and I tell Coach Mack, maybe we might do some early uh, European basketball fouling in that shot clock <laughs> to uh, kind of eliminate some of that pace and that, that break they would have. But they do a great job overall of getting that one, two dribbles up the court. They have multiple guys that can handle it. Um, one of the things that probably our team didn't have great with me at the center versus uh, what they get with Bishop and some other guys. Yeah, that vertical threat was not there with you necessarily, <laughs> which actually, this is a great segue to our second fan question of the day is from uh, Coach Tyler Edwards. I don't know if you remember Coach, oh, he's yeah. bring up his teams yep, at team camp and stuff like that. So his question is, Ethan Roggy, who's the better dunker since we're talking about vertical threats? Is it you or his favorite protege, uh, Casey Harriman? <laughs> Man, Casey Harriman, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Maybe before uh, I hurt my foot and got put on all that weight and with Dan Bailey in the weight room, I, I could jump a little <laughs> bit better. But Casey always was a better one-foot jumper. Um, mm-hmm. You'd have to stat correct me here, Rob Anderson. I don't know who has more Creighton career dunks in their game, me or Casey. So, Do you Coach have Edward, No, so I was assuming Casey didn't either. I I have one if the fans would allow it. It's that little quick little, you it's know, Marquette. the hard layup is what I used to call it. Um, but yeah, against Marquette, I thought for sure that people would count as a dunk. But I'm, I want to say I'm surprised that you don't have one being six seven and all. But then again, the way that you played wasn't really conducive to dunk for you. What happened early on, freshman or sophomore year? But um, mm-hmm. n- no. I th- hopefully there's people on here get valid. I think I did have a couple in high school, so it was possible yeah. one time in my life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wanted to bring back the comparison between you and Mitch because I forgot mm-hmm. a fan question that I actually wanted to ask like during that little part of the pod. Uh, five star foul uh, is asking how far do you think you can bury a three right now? Getting out the bed, walking to a gym. What do you think your range is right now, Roggy Bomb? Man, uh, it's been a couple months since a basketball has been shot, but that's still really? not an excuse. I'd probably say uh, three feet past the NBA line from the top of the keys. Still pretty comfortable from a trail position. Still, still better than most. I, I mean, I yeah. play pro out here. Not a lot of people can do that. But <laughs> it might take a couple warm-up shots. Um, but obviously, I still think that trail three for me, I can get the distance pretty easily. So I wanted to get into this part. Uh, mm-hmm. So we talked about uh, graduating from Korean, playing a little bit overseas, uh, deciding, you know, your body just had gone through enough grind that you didn't want to go through it anymore. You hang up the the sneakers. What's life been like for you since basketball's been, you know, something yep. that you called it quits on? Yep. Uh... 20 August, I would say about 2016, I was done. Um, did summer league with the Lakers and just felt like the body and the knee and the rest of the stuff, it was uh, time to hang it up. And uh, I was working in Chicago for a, a larger company at, um, at the time in the data space. And I actually moved out to Denver now almost two years ago um, in June. So been out here since June of 2018. And I work for a technology startup our sales team, uh, been trying to just figure that out what this real world's like and, um, staying healthy and body's feeling good now that I don't have to really, uh, move laterally as much as, uh, let's say I once used to. So, yep. It's good life out here in Denver. I'm going to go skiing later today. It's a pretty funny sight. 
I was gonna ask up. how often do you feel like you exercise? How often do you think you feel like you get a sweat? Uh, quarantine's been fun. Um, I'm on the team Peloton, so that's about the big sweat I get out. But other than that, um, just kind of, um, doing some outdoor stuff, staying, I kind of somewhat active, I'd say what with the Peloton set other than that, um, not trying to, not trying to be the king at exercising over here. Don't want to be, be hurting the knees any more than I need to. Well, Ethan, I promise you the way you shot the ball, if you ever want to get back into it, uh, there's some teams out here that could need your help, brother. Oh, I, can, I can tell you that firsthand. I is know. There, is there a part of you that misses, uh, you know, the grind, the getting up, the practicing, the uh, getting along with teammates, you know, the bus rides, the plane rides? Is there a part of you that really misses those times? Definitely. Uh, just because the way I had to end playing basketball wasn't necessarily on my terms. I, uh, mm -hmm. you know, couldn't go out and say I had accomplished everything I wanted to in the time. But for me at the end of the day, it was my health, the amount of fun, the amount of work, uh, wasn't quite where it was when I was in college or even healthier. And, um, I'm happy with the decision, but at the same time you do miss, you know, the camaraderie you get with teammates, the amount of you know, just time and effort and work you spend with them is not quite the same as what it, I would view as the real world. Um, you don't, you're not all bought in at all times for a cohesive win and a goal, but at the same time, you can take a lot of what I did in basketball or you've done Jahens and it translates pretty well to this real world. So yeah. I'm sure if one day you'll see uh, how your body's feeling or how you're playing. If there's a, uh, you know, I'm going to play basketball forever or you're starting to figure out uh, these other outlets. For me personally, man, I I still feel like pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we actually just had a game today, not the result that we wanted, but like uh, like I said, I I enjoyed the grind, I enjoyed getting up, practicing, competing against everyone on a, on a daily basis, and then you know, Ethan, you would know this better than anyone that that feeling on game day when you wake up and you know like it's time to go, uh, it's still a rush for me. So I think I still got a few years left. Yeah. Uh, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood that my body decides you know that that it's okay and that i can still keep moving forward but no for sure like uh, i i'm always kind of fascinated with guys who are no longer playing you know their transition adjusting to what people call quote unquote real life yeah uh and, and how they see it and, and you know their experience with it yeah there's no playbook tell you that there wasn't a class i created i remember taking but uh it's definitely a learning experience but i can tell you play it as long as you can because there's a lot of work or a lot of foundational work I noticed with basketball with even the old nine to five. Mm -hmm. For sure. So let's go back to our senior year mm -hmm. one more time. Uh, we lose to Baylor yeah. uh, in a game that we all felt like we should have won. But for that day, the better team won. Um, so we don't get to make it to the final four. But you, Ethan Rogge, personally <laughs> went to the final four. You were invited to the uh, three point uh, no. competition that year. Obviously, when you're in that kind of environment, you're around a bunch of, of great players, a bunch of uh, different personalities and stuff like that. Talk about that experience of like, obviously, it wasn't our whole team being there, but still, you got to get a little bit of a taste of what a Final Four uh, looked like. Yeah, it was incredible. I remember we watched Wisconsin, Kentucky, I think, was playing in that Final Four, made the championship game at the Cowboys Stadium, and just the mm -hmm. sheer size and volume of amount of fans and people there was incredible. And then... Doing the three-point contest was obviously a great honor to be selected. I remember I did not shoot it particularly well. Um, no excuse. I did have knee surgery two weeks later. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to give it off the hook that 
that's a really strong competition, I think, for me. Just, you know, no dribbling, ball at the rack. I, yeah. I would have liked to have done better. But uh same time, there were some really great shooters there um, and a lot of guys that are still playing and have done really well. And I remember even the dunk contest, too, was incredible. Like, there was a pretty good show yeah, going on by know, the college. I, who was it? Who was it that set you guys up as bowling pins after uh, he dunked it? I remember watching. Oh man! I remember watching on TV, and you were like one of the pins, so you did like the whole like wobble, wobble, <laughs> and you were supposed to fall down. And I remember thinking, "Geez, Ethan's not gonna fall yeah. down gracefully here," because like I knew I don't know if you taken know, a charge in my career, <laughs> right? I, I knew kind of like the physical toll that the season had taken you. You're out there just to shoot threes and stuff. Now there's guys asking you to be a bowling pin. <laughs> I know for sure, like, the Ethan that I know was like, damn it, do I really have to do that? <laughs> I wasn't too thrilled about it, but I think it was yeah. it was a great event. A lot of guys kind of at the end of, you know, their seasons or their careers in college. And it was, I, I'm, that's a good event the NCAA does, I'll tell yeah. them that. That's, look, that's a good clip to find. If you guys are curious <laughs> about that, just Google or I guess YouTube 2014 NCAA dunk competition, whatever it is, man. I forgot who it was that I asked Jesse that, but. I vividly remember being in Opus, looking at the TV and being like, Ethan's yeah. not going to look good here. <laughs> not graceful. For sure. Uh, all right. So now looking into the future, we talked about, you know, the how good this, this current team uh, could look. Mm -hmm. If you were a coach on the sideline and you had, you know, some advice to tell the guys who are currently playing, what would it be? Man. That's a great, like, kind of one ask question. Um, yeah. I would say definitely I mean, you, for you can elaborate guys, as much as you want. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's different ways that, to think about this. So. Yeah. You know, I would just say with these guys being so experienced, so, you know, they've kind of been there through this, they've won the league before. I would just say, don't look ahead. You got to take this one game at a time. I felt like during times in our season, um, we were looking maybe one or two games ahead and we let one slip at Providence before. Um, you know, we lost to Villanova. And I remember that year at that time, a two loss season doesn't get you the Big East tournament. And you right. just have to take it one game at a time. Don't be looking to May or March. Don't be looking to, you know, the end of February even. Um, just kind of enjoy this kind of tough grinding stretch here in the Big East. And I'm sure it'll be March as soon as it can. And just kind of keep getting better. And don't, you know, don't try to play your best basketball here in the beginning of January. Keep building it up. For sure. I agree with you 100%. I literally don't even have anything else to add to that, honestly. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is kind of human nature. I don't know if you remember, especially when we played in the Valley, like we would always go on like a three game losing streak, like yeah. mid February, and we can never figure out why. But conference games are tough. Uh, teams yeah. know you, coaches know you, you're well scouted. There's no easy games on the road. Um, so you just kind of go in there and you have to go in there and give it your best effort, play together. Uh, and you know, what I love about this year's team, like you, it, it's fun watching it without the fans actually for once. Cause you hear so much communication happening yeah, on the court, either from coach Mac, uh, on the sideline to the players are just the players, you know, communicating actions and sets, uh, while they're on the floor. So uh, I would say that, that would equate to like a lot of, uh, or great leadership, I should say, um, starting from the top with Marcus Zagorowski to have a, the experience of Mitch Ballack and, and Damian Jefferson. All those guys who have been through some battles, you know, mm -hmm. um, in order to lead the, the younger guys who come in off the bench and really set the tone uh, from tip off. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with what you said wholeheartedly, brother. Listen, Ethan, that just about sums it wow. up for us. 
dude, I miss you, bro. Uh, talking about all this stuff, like I'm hype right now. Like I feel like I could play 40 minutes with a, with a Blue Jays jersey on right now. But uh, yeah, it, it's so nice to see you. Obviously, yeah. you're a fan favorite. You've been a fan favorite for a really long time. The original of the Deep Three, the original of Robbie Bonds. Uh, I mean, is there anything else that you want to say to Blue Jay Nation before you sign off? No, this is great, Jahan. I know this is um, first time on the podcast. I appreciate you having me on and, you know, appreciate, you know, everyone else taking some time to hear what me and Jen's maybe got to reminisce or talk about. And, uh, you know, I would just say best of luck to this team and keep going forward. And I know a lot of Jays fans out there will be watching and fingers crossed that this is the year we uh, get over that hump in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. All right, E, uh, awesome. take care of yourself. Take it easy. Yep. Stay safe out there. Uh, happy New Year's. Forgot to say yeah. that to you, to you and your family. Joke. You know how much I love the Rocky family. You guys have a special place in my heart for sure. Definitely. Uh, this has been episode one of the Welcome to the J podcast hosted by me, Jahans Maniga. Our first guest was Rocky Bomb, Ethan Rocky himself. Uh, this was uh, hosted by the Field of 68 Media Network. Thank you guys for joining us. And we'll see you soon. Go Jays. Awesome. Go Jays.